0: Do your own math, do your own homework, make sure you understand what you bought, why you bought it, and always have at least two ways to get out of any deal you get into.
1: Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to dot com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. And I think we are about to talk to one of the co-hosts of the world's longest running podcast or real estate show, among other things. And first, let me say hi to you. How are you doing, Russ Gray? Great. How
0: are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, my friend, and very much looking forward to diving in. As I mentioned right before we started recording... I'm a huge fan of your book that you co-authored, Equity Happens. And if you're not familiar, Best Ever Listeners, with that book, you've got to go check it out if you can because it is tough to come by on Amazon, but it's still possible. Russell and his business partner are worldwide known on the Real Estate Guys radio show. It's a wonderful radio show and podcast. It's one of the very few real estate podcasts that I listen to, highly recommend that. They are actively involved in a lot of different areas of real estate investing. Russ will be talking about it here in a little bit. He's based in both Las Vegas, Nevada, as well as Phoenix, Arizona. And you can say hi to him and learn more about what I was mentioning at realestateguysradio.com. So with that being said, Russ, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
0: Yeah, sure. I'm trying to keep this concise, but uh, I think like a lot of people, I went out and I bought a late night infomercial on how to do real estate, Carlton Sheets, world famous Carlton Sheets. And I bought that course and I ended up going to a seminar that the previous edition of Success Magazine put out before they got taken over with the new group. And this was many, many years ago. And I just noticed that people were willing to pay for help. they were willing to pay for training and everybody was attracted to real estate. There were so many people out there really not doing a great job at it. At the same time, I was looking to get out of corporate America. I know your background is in an ad agency. I was in corporate office products of all things in Silicon Valley. I decided to get into the mortgage business around 2000 because I felt like with the baby boomers reallocating their portfolio, lots of money would be going into the bond market. There'd be plenty of money to lend. Interest rates would be low. And anybody that was around back then knew that was a home run right up until 2008. (laughs) (laughs) And then in 2008, you know, the mortgage industry imploded. It took a big, big chunk of my portfolio with it. Fortunately, we had diversified internationally, and I learned a great lesson, and that is I don't ever want to be the smartest guy in the room, and it really changed what we were doing on the show, because in the beginning, the show was really a hobby. We were just sharing with people whatever we felt like talking about. Robert and I did a lot of seminars together, and so... We just shared with people what we're doing in the seminars, but after the 2008 crisis, I decided to shut my mortgage company down, Mm. and we decided to focus on turning the Real Estate Guys radio show into a viable business and really focusing on using it to not only share with people what we were learning, but to get ourselves into relationships with people that were a whole lot smarter than us. And so that's really what's morphed into it. So now we hang out with some of the biggest brains in the business. And one of the strategic decisions we made was to get out of our own mind and our own industry and start listening to people that were involved in other asset classes and looked at investing from a completely different lens uh, to see if we could see a bigger picture. That's what we've been doing, and we're still active in our investing, most of it offshore, actually. Not necessarily saying that that's the end-all, be-all, and everybody should do what we do, but that's what we do. And we've been just having a good time getting to know people like yourself that are out there, watching the whole podcast space open up. You know, we started on radio, and now we've been podcasting. We still do both, but I don't need to tell you the power of it, the people that you can reach. And it's just really exciting when we get a chance to actually meet the people that we're talking with face-to-face. And so we do live events, and that's fun where we get to interact with our listeners, and then, and of course, bring faculty members together, where we get a chance to spend personal time with the people, guys like Peter Schiff, Kiyosaki, Kenny McElroy, a lot of the Rich Dad folks. We just came back from an event where we interviewed Steve Forbes, Gary Johnson. These are people that real estate investors often get a chance to listen to, but they all have something to say, and so we try
1: and bring those voices to our audience. How long have you had the radio show?
0: My partner Robert actually started the show in 1997, so it's going on uh, almost 20 years now and I heard him in late 2000 or 2001, just after I started my mortgage company, I was interested in perhaps advertising or doing some type of co-op marketing and I went to one of his events and that's where I met him and I started doing some consulting, we started speaking together And then in 2002, we became business partners. In 2004, I took over as the co-host. I'm not the original co-host. I am the 14-year-running temporary (laughs) co-host. But I've been the co-host now since June of 2004, and it's been fabulous. We have a great relationship. We have a ton of fun together in 191 countries and pushing 6 million downloads right now. So it's crazy. It's only once a week.
1: So June 2004 to today, what was the tipping point? Now, I want to get into real estate as well, but the radio show and your platform has, as you mentioned, served you very well, especially coming out of 2008. So I want to dig in a little bit here, and then we'll get into some real estate stuff. What was the tipping point for your show? Was it going from radio to podcast, or was it a certain guest, or was it just consistency? What was it?
0: I think there were two things. One is just before I took over as co-host, we had Robert Kiyosaki on the show. And he gave us a great endorsement, a drop-in, we call it. He says, hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki. And if you really want to succeed in real estate investing, listen to the real estate guys. They really know what they're talking about. It was unsolicited. He said that, and we played it over and over again, and I think his involvement on the show encouraged other people to get involved in the show. We started bringing in big names, and they would do the drop-ins, and every time you listen to one of our episodes, as you know, we have these amazing voices, you know, Herman Cain, Donald Trump, Steve Forbes, Peter Schiff. Lawrence Yoon, guys from the Federal Reserve. I mean, just everybody we would get, we would have them do that drop in. So, from a marketing perspective, and of course, you being an ad agency guy, you know, just that branding was really helpful and it helped people open up to the show. I think the other thing is philosophically, Robert and I really don't use the show to sell anything. We promote our events, but it isn't about come buy a property from me or come list a property or do a mortgage with me. Even when we were in those businesses, which we're not anymore, we never used the show that way. And after the 2008 crisis, prior to that, we were always a radio show. I didn't even know what a podcast was. And it was really through adversity that opportunity opened up, which, of course, is often the case. The sponsorship ended up drying up. And our producer came to us and goes, guys, you can't keep the show going. We don't have enough revenue. We peeled the show back because we were on, I think, 15 or 16 stations nationwide. And he said, have you guys ever considered podcasting? I don't know what podcasting is, you know. Sure, we'll try it. What's it cost? Well, it's basically free. We're in, free. (laughs) So we did that, and it was a funny thing, you know. We had had good success promoting our events by going out and doing guest speaking, and the radio show was really about brand building and getting booked for speaking. But a lot of what we did was in a very regional, local environment. I remember the very first time we had somebody who had heard us on the radio, come to one of the events, we went, wow. And then somebody came from a podcast today. We get hundreds of people to come to all of our events, and they all come off the podcast. And so it's really changed. And I think those are the three, booking a big-name guest and developing a close relationship with Robert Kiyosaki, not using the show to pitch but really using it to educate and adding value and not really trying to monetize it directly, And then the podcasting thing and just being able to reach a huge audience for very little money. And all of that has been solid in developing the show and the brand.
1: Switching gears now to your real estate investing. And actually, this does combine the show, too. In 2008, when the sky's falling, and as you said, you're losing a chunk of your portfolio, although you had diversified internationally, what was it like having a radio show at the time, when the chunk of your portfolio is disappearing.
0: Well, the way we use the show is kind of therapy for us. So we do it because we love it. And we talk about whatever we're interested in. We talk about whatever we're doing, whatever is going on. We answer questions from the audience. So of course, it was a lot about credit repair and short selling and workouts and We spent probably a year or two in that space, asset protection, a lot of the things, and then, of course, rebuilding and dealing with the psychology of what you're going through. So it turned out to be really useful for that perspective. And then on the rebuilding mode, it was great because it kept us in the game. We saw a lot of real estate investors get knocked off the horse. And you could hide, you could just crawl into a corner and kind of lick your wounds, maybe never to come back again. Whereas the discipline of needing to show up every day and do the show and have something to talk about and a real emphasis on how can we find a silver lining in all of this storm clouds, that mental discipline really got us over the hump. And then ultimately... It opened up doors of opportunity because we were so in touch w- with what was going on nationally and internationally because of our contacts and the, the bridges of relationship that the show brought us. We were able to recognize opportunity and get on the front end. You know, We go back and look at the markets, and these were markets we were not involved in prior to the crash. We were all in the hot money markets like a lot of people. And coming out of it, we learned to focus a lot more on fundamentals, and we got involved in markets like Dallas, Texas, which turned out to be a great market. Atlanta, Georgia turned out to be a great market. Memphis, Tennessee turned out to be a great market. But how we approached markets changed, and the show always put us at the front end of the line. People were always rolling out the red carpet when we would come to town and they would put their best foot forward. They would always offer us up their best deals and their best support. And so it made our own investing and the investing that we introduced our listeners to a lot easier and better because of the power of the brand.
1: For a best ever listener who's looking at different markets now, how should they evaluate a market?
0: The same way you should look at any investment and you have to understand there's bubbles and hot money and all kinds of deformations in there, to quote David Stockman. you got to look at fundamentals. If you look at what's going on with cap rates, say, in multifamily, getting compressed, meaning that people are bidding more for the same income. And so when you start to see that happen, you know that it's getting harder and harder to find deals that make sense. And when interest rates are rock-bottom lows, you can't count on refinancing down the road with a lower interest rate to save a tight cash flow situation. So your fundamentals in terms of the regional market, who's your tenant, who do they work for, what drives that local economy, that never changes. We've been big on business-friendly, tax-friendly, affordable states with good, solid infrastructure in transportation, education, and good labor pools. The kind of markets that CEOs who are making decisions who are trying to survive in a tough economy would tend to gravitate towards rather than away from. We like industries that have some strong tie to the geography because that way those jobs can't get exported to China or India or Mexico or wherever. So we gravitated towards distribution towns. We gravitated towards energy-producing towns. We felt like those jobs were safer. So it it, it always comes down in any form of investing to fundamentals, and fundamentals means income. When you're investing in cash flow models that make sense, you may not be getting rich on cash flow, but cash flow keeps you stable. And if it's a good, solid cash flow market, it eventually will attract the hot money, and then you get to ride on the equity side, too. But as an investor, you want to be ready to ride out when the hot money recedes, you need to be able to stay. And I think the fundamental flaw that got exposed in my own investing is I was depending upon my mortgage company to provide cash flow. And I was in highly speculative markets with highly leveraged financing structures for my equity growth. And I thought, Hey, when you put that all in a blender, it balances. But the problem is that my mortgage company was all dependent upon the availability of money. And when those mortgage markets went away, I lost the ability to generate cash flow from my business And my income properties weren't generating enough income to cover them because I structured them not independently, but they were very dependent upon my business. I didn't recognize the flaw until the market exposed it to me in a very, very big way. So fundamentals.
1: When you think back to all the guests that you've had on your show, dating back to June of 2004 to today, what's one example of someone you had on your show that it changed the course of how you've approached real estate?
0: Wow. That's a good, good one. You know, I'm going to say, and it sounds kind of weird, but I would say Peter Schiff. And if you know Peter, he's kind of known as a doom and gloom guy, but he's not really. He just sees very fundamental flaws in the U.S. economy and the U.S. banking system. And he makes you think about that, and especially with what's going on with the Fed and, and bond markets. And ultimately, when I kind of reverse engineered or diagnosed what went wrong in the mortgage business, it was tied into what happened in the bond market. And I recognized I wasn't looking far enough down the horizon to see the problem forming until the wave crested and swept me away. So I said, I've got to find a way to see further down. And one of the guys that we sought out, who we felt really called the crash and called it for the right reasons was Peter. And of course, Peter's not a real estate investor. Now, today, we have fun. We get into these debates about real estate. We say it's not an asset class. He tries to call it an asset class, and I won't bore you with all the reasons why, <laughs> but we've debated it twice publicly, and both times I've won, so <laughs> of <course. laughs> I feel good about that, and I written a little bit about it, but he's a super, super smart guy, and the thing I love about both him and Robert Kiyosaki is they are not afraid to be controversial. They're not afraid to say what they believe, even if they're the only voice in the room. And my experience with both those guys has been if you wait long enough and you listen hard enough, you're going to pick up something that history is going to validate. And so when Peter talks a million miles a minute, you have to slow yourself down and really think about what he's saying. And sometimes you have to kind of brush off the personality because he's got a big personality. But I I would say Peter Schiff. And of course, we had a chance to get both Peter and Robert Kiyosaki together on a cruise ship for a week and just watch the two of them go at each other in a good way. I mean, I moderated a panel where the two of them were both sitting there, and we were asking them for their viewpoint of where we were going to be in three years and five years and what a real estate investor could do to position themselves to benefit from what they saw. And they really actually agree on a number of things, but Peter is a paper asset guy stocks and bonds and kiyosaki is a hardcore real asset guy gold and real estate they actually had a lot in common so i learned a lot from peter schiff
1: when you asked that question to them where will we be in three to five years and what can we do to benefit as a result of that forecast what was the answer
0: That's a great question. Robert Kiyosaki is famous for being cash flow. You know, gain cash flow, cash flow technologies. I invest for cash flow. He gives speculators our time. Cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. Peter doesn't care for real estate, but when you listen to him, he talks about the importance of dividends. If you're going to buy a stock, don't buy it low hoping to sell it high. In other words, you're not investing for capital gains. You're investing for cash flow, dividends. So the vehicle that produces the cash flow is a little bit different, but Peter would talk about invest in solid markets with solid management teams or solid operations that produce solid cash flows. And that way it doesn't matter what the share price does. Over time, those companies will perform well and add into the mix currency. Well, actually, Robert says exactly the same thing, except his investment vehicle of choice is real estate, not stocks. But other than that, the advice was almost exactly the same. What I mentioned to you earlier, focus on the fundamentals. We know cash flow is boring, right? Everybody likes the, hey, I bought the property for 50000 and I sold it for two fifty. But I think the real fundamental thing is when you think about yourself as an investor, are you using the asset to pile up dollars or paper or are you using paper to pile up assets? So people who are trying to buy a property low and sell it high, when they finish that round trip, they have a pile of paper. And they have a problem because that paper's not working until they go put it to work again. Whereas what both Robert and Peter were saying is, get out of dollars, buy real assets, whether they're real companies that produce real profits and pay real dividends in countries that have more solid economies maybe than the U.S. That's Peter's argument, or Robert says, buy real properties that have real tenants that pay real cash flows with proper financing structures. At the end of the day, the message is the same. Focus upon understanding where the value comes from, and it comes from the cash flow.
1: Russ, what's your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Well, I think what I've been saying is about making sure that you focus on fundamentals. Surround yourself with smart people. Don't try to be the smartest guy in the room. Ask more questions than you try to answer. And then I think It comes down to being disciplined, and that is do your own math, do your own homework, make sure you understand what you bought, why you bought it, and always have at least two ways to get out of any deal you get into. One is not enough. If that exit gets flopped off, you're stuck. A lot of people, including myself, only had one way out of our portfolios back in the day, and that was sell it to somebody else at a higher price. That doesn't always happen. Make sure you have at least two ways out.
1: You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you're looking for home business strategies and how to have a successful one, then go to adamcoaches.com. That's adamcoaches.com. Adam is a previous Best Ever guest, episode number 76. He's a police officer. He's also a wholesaler, and he's got a successful home business. Go to adamcoaches.com and check it out. Russ, what's the best ever book you've read? Best ever
0: book I've read... Um, I'd I'd have to say Rich Dead Poor dad
1: Best ever personal growth experience. And what'd you learn from it?
0: The financial crash of two thousand eight.
1: And what'd you learn from it?
0: What I learned from it is I learned something about my marriage. I learned something about my partnership with Robert Helms, and I learned a lot about myself and my commitment to what I was doing. I wasn't really doing it for the money. I never knew that for sure because I was making a lot of money, but when I stopped making money, I kept doing it anyway, and that's when I knew I was doing the right thing for the right reason.
1: Best ever deal you've done?
0: I would say it's the deal we're in right now through a relationship and through a lot of courage at a time where we had no business doing it. We took on A offshore resort hotel development project and built it into such a successful project that Hilton approached us and wanted to, and did, sign a contract to associate their Curio brand with it. So someday we'll tell the whole story, but that's by far and away has been the greatest real estate deal we've ever done, and we're in the middle of doing it right now.
1: How are you able to evaluate all the different types of assets or all the different types of real estate ventures that come across your desk?
0: I think we talk a lot. We talked about it in Equity Happens. We talk a lot
1: about it on the show, and it's really the way we approach
0: investing. You start with your personal investment philosophy, who you are, what you're trying to accomplish. I say all the time when you have clarity of vision, strategy and tactics become evident. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So when you're clear about who you are, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, what you want, what success looks like for you, and you're not trying to copy somebody else or follow somebody else's lead and you're being true to yourself, it eliminates a lot of things. You can look at something real quick and go, hey, that's going to be great for somebody, but not for me. And so it really narrows the playing field. So I think that's number one. And then from there... You pick markets and and product types that are likely to develop what you're looking to do, and then you go look for people who are absolute experts in those markets, very connected, great at what they do. You gotta trust people in two ways, both their ethics and their competency. You can't have one or the other, gotta be both. You go build that team, and then you empower your team to be successful. Because if your business model aligns their success with your success, when you help them be successful, By default, you're enhancing your own success, but it's never about you. And you work harder, at least I do, when I'm trying to help someone else be successful. And I know I see that in what you do too, Joe. You get to the point where it's like, okay, I've got enough. Now what's life all about? Helping other people. And when the business model is right, the more value you add to the world, the more value you receive back.
1: That's a perfect segue into the next one. But before I ask the next one, I have a follow-up question. What is your personal investment philosophy?
0: I think I talked about the fundamentals, making sure that you're investing in solid products where you have good supply-demand fundamentals and making sure that the structure is right and making sure you have a great team. And to me, life is too short to do business with people you don't care for, to get into deals that stress you out. Everything I do is about being able to live how I want to live. I say that figure out how you want to live, design a business model that pays you to live that way, and then the result is, is that you're really retired from the day you go to work. If the definition of retirement is I get to get up every day, I have all I need, and I get to do what I want with who I want to do it with, then I'm retired. I've been retired. I was retired even in the crash because somehow, some way, we always managed to have enough. I was doing what I wanted to do with who I wanted to do it with. So you never get tired of it. You never get tired of working. My personal investment philosophy is to build that. And if it doesn't fit that, then I don't do it.
1: Now, what's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: That's a great question. I just came back from the country that we, it's a third world country in Latin America that we do our development project in, and many times when I'm on that plane, I am there with bunches of missionaries that are going down there to build a church or build a schoolroom or take care of disadvantaged children, and all those activities are fabulous. But our development project has created more benefit, more prosperity, more opportunity, more hope more of everything than any of those charitable works. So I think capitalism done right is the best form of giving because it allows people the dignity of contributing and earning. And if you can go create a model and environment where people can get up every day and have a sense of pride, ownership in their own life and accomplishment, and you watch them grow and prosper, then you've done something great for the world. So I am a through and through die hard Not crony capitalists, but capitalists. I believe (laughs) capitalism done right benefits people like nothing else that man has ever discovered.
1: What's the biggest mistake you've ever made in real estate?
0: (laughs) Incestuous thinking. I would hang out with people that agreed with me. Mm. And I spent more time trying to convince them why I was right instead of listening to what they had to say. I never, ever, ever, ever want to be the smartest guy in the room ever. Never. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that is an emphatic point. I've been taking notes, and I now have that written down four times, but I've just bolded it because of your insistence on that. So thanks for the exclamation mark and the bold on my end. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you?
0: Two ways. I mean, realestateguysradio.com. You can hit us up on iTunes or wherever your favorite podcast is. Look us up for the Real Estate Guys radio show. and jump on our newsletter by sending an email to newsletter at realestateguysradio.com.
1: Well, Russ, this has been a wonderfully enlightening conversation, learning about your personal business background as well as your experience on the show and growing your podcast and the radio show to the top of the industry, and the lessons that you've learned along the way, investing when 2008 hit, the focus on cash flow, the focus on the fundamentals, as you've mentioned, on the show and then also the three ways that you evaluate deals as you just mentioned one you start with your personal investment philosophy so who are you what are you willing to do and as you mentioned it eliminates the other stuff that well it sounds like a good deal but that's not right for me because of going back to the personal philosophy then number two you make sure you have the right market, you talked about the fundamentals that you look for in the market, supply and demand, and the jobs that tie into the geography so it's more stable, and the product type. And then number three, finding experts in those markets that you align with in both competency, well hopefully they're more competent, as you've mentioned, and then ethics, uh, where you have an alignment there. And ultimately, staying true to those three steps and following what you've seen in the past work and what you see in the future based on the conversations you have with the thought leaders on an ongoing basis. So really appreciate you being on the show. Had such a great time. I hope you have a best ever day. And is there anything else you'd like to mention to the best ever listeners before we sign off?
0: Nope. The only thing I can say is our motto at the Real Estate Guy Radio Show is education for effective action. If you're out there listening to the podcast, you're not getting out in the real world and getting dirty, not taking chances. Don't bet the farm on any one deal, but a lot of your investing is about education before it's about profit. And the, as Ben Franklin often says, an investment in education pays the best dividend. And sometimes you get that real world education by going out there and, and pulling the trigger. So don't be
1: afraid to go out and actually do it. Thanks, Laurent We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Joe. If you're looking for home business strategies and how to have a successful one, then go to adamcoaches.com. That's adamcoaches.com. Adam is a previous Best Ever Guest, episode number 76. He's a police officer. He's also a wholesaler, and he's got a successful home business. Go to adamcoaches.com and check it out.